I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody pain. We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to you. Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The throne went over the side. It is time to draw him I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? Many of us have watched in horror the dreadful fires in Greece, especially the awful scenes of British tourists desperately escaping from islands such as Rhodes. But as is often the case with tragedy, the story has also revealed enormous kindness and empathy because All the tourists who have fled have talked about the amazing generosity of the Greek people who have responded to their plight by greeting them with food and blankets and most importantly love, especially for the children crossing the sea with fear and confusion. And this is why every British person has a duty to say to those Greek people, What's the matter with you, you soft, woke, liberal fuckwits? You haven't got enough to look after your own people without bailing out every sob story who comes floating over the sea expecting a handout. Look at them, millions of them, coming over every day expecting to be fed and clothed. And I've heard they go straight down the town hall in Athens and they're given a taverna on the Aegean coast. Just like that. You need to bring in strict laws telling these people that if they come here, they'll be sent straight back to the fires. Otherwise, they'll keep coming in their millions. Oh, some of them, they'll be so desperate they come anyway in their dinghies and their canoes. So the kindest action you can take is to be as foul to them as possible so they don't even attempt such a treacherous crossing. One measure the Greeks could adopt to stop this swarm of holidaymakers pouring in is to send them somewhere even hotter than where they're running from. That's why sensible people in the Greek government are looking at the possibility of deporting them to the surface of the sun. Then they'll get the usual hand-ringers who'll say this is illegal or against human rights. But we have worked closely with the government of the sun and they have assured us the conditions there are safe and in keeping with intergalactic law, they should say. In any case, if you look at some of these so-called holiday makers on these boats, they seem perfectly fit and healthy and not as if they've been in a fire at all. One of them was a mother of three from Western Supermare who hardly looked burnt at all. So why should you be expected to look after these people paddling over to your town to take advantage of being given free Greek things? So to be kind, you have to make sure they know they're not welcome. If one of these holiday people is a child before it arrives, make sure you collect any pictures of Mickey Mouse lying around and draw over them in thick black felt pen so the sponging bastard doesn't get the idea it's going to have a single moment of enjoyment or affection. And then when anything goes wrong in your life, such as your car breaking down or you can't get an appointment at the dentist, you need to yell, you know what? It's because of the bloody holiday people. The car mechanics are told they're the priority, so people born and bred in Greece don't stand a chance. And your government needs to find ways of making it impossible for them to get here. You Greeks have got all sorts of creatures in your myths, haven't you? Like three-headed things with tridents who live in the sea and create storms and drown everyone. Find one of them and use them to stop the boats. That's the only way to be properly kind. The terrible wildfires in Greece have certainly had an impact 
on many people in this country, especially this woman, who I heard on a phone-in show. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. I've seen it on the news. All these people in Greece fleeing in small boats, and now they're just flying them here on a plane. What right have they got to come here? Someone said they're British, they were on holiday. Well, what about me? I went to Margate once and a wasp landed in me ice cream. No one sent a boat to rescue me. I rang the Coast Guard the other day. I said, it's an emergency, I'm stuck. They said, where are you? I'm at Alton Towers and me car's broken down. They said, we can't send a lifeboat there, there's no sea. Oh, any excuse, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. And what about when my chip pan caught fire? No one sent a biplane to water bomb that. And why can't they use elephants to put the fires out? They could squirt it with their trunks. Greece is a hot country. They must have elephants there. And now they want to introduce this ULES thing. Well, that sounds Spanish. It's only going to make things hotter. I rang the council. I said, I'm not paying that. They said, you don't have to. You haven't got a car. Oh, well, it'll be different if I was a refugee. As soon as they land, they take them straight down the garage and buy them a Rolls Royce. It said so on GB News. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. Sick of it. Nobody who has ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on has ever even started to manage it without expert advice. And what is even better is expert advice from someone who's on holiday, Stuart Goldsmith. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, no, a pleasure to hear your expertise from, where are you? Uh, I'm in Devon at the moment, but later on I'm going to be in Falmouth. Uh, We're at the fulcrum point of a small family holiday. What I'm doing is the week before the Edinburgh Festival, I'm not sure when this goes out, but I've I've always had this plan in the back of my mind that rather than go to Edinburgh at the end of the kind of pre- prepare, preparation process and then get yes. there strung out and knackered, instead go on holiday a week before it and arrive refreshed and rested. So far, the plan is not working out. <laughs> <laughs> no, what were you thinking? There's nothing more stressful than a family holiday. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Well, and because I've got young children, my kids are seven and four. So family yeah. holidays, you'll remember, they're not holidays. It's just, it's just parenting somewhere where you can't find the spatula. Basically, it's like, you know what I mean? Yes, I remember, well, seven and four, uh, I remember, but not being so bad, but I remember when uh, Elliot Steele, who people may know comedian who Elliot this Steele. podcast, comedian Elliot Steele, the only time it gets physically more demanding, I would say, is when a child starts to crawl. Because then whereas you could sort of uh, yeah. put them down and go, right, I'll go and clean my teeth. Yeah and know that they can't move anywhere, suddenly you go and clean your teeth and come back and go, where's he gone? Yeah, yeah, Where yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And they've always – I had to do a routine about it. I could never quite make it work, but I was, it was like, oh, God, he's found an axe. I didn't know we had an axe. He's got a rattlesnake. I didn't know there was a rattlesnake in the house. It's, it's the all most full of- it's all full of step changes, isn't it? It's this constantly like you get used to a rhythm and then the next big change. The biggest change for us, I think, in the whole of the parenting canon was the day we had our second child. And have yeah. you got, do you just have Elliot? Do you have more than one kid? No, 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 no. He's yeah. got a little sister. So you know that that moment when the birth of your second child, you suddenly lose all respect for anyone with only one child. You're like, oh, <laughs> how hard is it? Oh, really? Are you tired? Yeah, cry me a river. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just big changes and big changes all the way. Yes, I think the key is to have a big enough gap. If you can make the gap 
23 years. <laughs> I, think, I think what you need is a grandchild, not a second child. <laughs> I've got one of them, Stu. I've got one of them. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm. Congrats. How's that? Yeah, thanks. I mean, this yeah, isn't yeah, what we're here no, to talk about, but how's being your grandparent? Um, uh, uh, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. And she calls me dad, dad, which I can't want to be called granddad. That's fucking horrible, isn't it? <laughs> fucking granddad. Oh, and there's dad, a granddad emoji. There's a granddad emoji, and it's some little old fucking grey-haired bloke with a beard who looks like sort of Charles Darwin <laughs> about an hour before he died. As and you I- well know, Mark, I can see your face at the moment, and it's not that far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> we call granddad. That's just you know, oh the yeah. We're in a different world now. Granddads aren't that. Oh poor, oh poor granddad. Don't tell him anything, or, or tell him anything and tell him the same thing again. Oh, Ten minutes later, really forgotten it, like darling. Bliss. Sounds like bliss to me. My memory's <laughs> terrible. My memory's been terrible all my life, and. um I, I do, the idea of like I'm obsessed with that idea. Like my my grandmother had dementia before she died, and she was just in one of those loops where you would just smile and nod and make her feel good, and uh, and then she'd ask you the same questions again ten minutes later. And part of me did think it's not a bad life. Do you know what I mean? If you're in if yeah. you're in a safe situation, yeah. I remember seeing Arthur Smith one day, and he'd just come back from seeing his mum who had Alzheimer's, and I said, "Oh, mate, that's a bit rotten." And he said, "No, it's not." She has no idea who Donald Trump is. Yeah, <laughs> I used to have. I used to have a routine years ago about. Um, there's a place, a real place in the Netherlands called Hergesen, where it's a dementia village and it's a care home, but it's no. in the shape of a village. And they can queue for the bus, and the bus will pick them up and take them around the block and drop them off. And they don't need money, so they can go to what, the back shop. Where they start? Yeah, exactly, exactly, because everyone's on like a sort of goldfish five minute loop, and they're all happy as Larry. I mean, it's just so good. <laughs> Oh God! Do actors come in and pretend to be their 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 sort of old neighbours that actually died in two thousand and four? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. There's like shopkeepers, but they're like, it's all right. Your money's no good here. We'll uh, put it on your tab, and there's no money and everything like that. Oh, it's like an out an Alzheimer's shining. Yeah, well, that's made it creepy and horrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the attractive idea to me has only just occurred to me now. Is we any one of us? We could be in that now. It's a bit matrixy, isn't it? It's like, have we oh, had this God. chat before? Is this is this dementia? Oh, is it just no, you and me and this talking? Is it. We're in a Dutch village. <laughs> We're in this Dutch village, and they're going, and we do, and we, and they think they're doing a podcast. Yeah, producer Pete's about to hit a button. They've realised. <laughs> reset. <laughs> uh, now, right. So, but there is something we must talk about that is uh, pressingly urgent, and in yeah. fact, the fact that we've been prevaricating is probably. Not helped at all to save the world. <laughs> so uh, you're doing a show in Edinburgh, Stuart, right. about um, the fact that the world's in a state of perilous climatic doom. Yes. Well, it, uh, yes, climatic. That's fine. I've never heard anyone use the word climatic before. I will give you the benefit of the doubt and assume <laughs> it's real. I thought you were going to say climactic, which is, is both, isn't it? Um, yeah, is that I'm, the word? Um, I don't know. Cli- climatic? Is, is it that? Climactic. Um, no, cl- no, climactic no is a we've climax. we've not been dealing with it. <laughs> um, I'm, listen, I'm not an expert on the climate, but that's kind of my, my starting point is me thinking, <clears throat> hang on a minute, I'm absolutely shitting myself about climate mm. change. But the only people talking to me about it are scientists and activists. And I'm not a scientist and I'm not an activist. And so I feel like I'm, I feel a bit alienated from it, but I've got this kind of, you know, you, I think everyone's climate consciousness sort of takes a little while to switch on. 
And mine is, you know, it's to do with the fact I've got children. And then I saw um, Matt Winning's show, brilliant comedian who's also a climate researcher. I saw his show a couple of years ago and I left in tears. And I went, I didn't realise things were this bad. And then the, the idea of talking about it on stage started about a year and a half ago. I started kind of bringing it up in clubs and mentioning it. And of course, it's an absolute nightmare to talk about on a comedy stage because yeah. part of it is that if you try a new joke about the acidification of the oceans and it, and it isn't <laughs> funny, they don't, they don't just not laugh. You've also made them sad and they resent you. <laughs> so it's really hard. Mm. But, but also I just found that um, I would be saying to audiences, and I've been, you know, it's what it's like. You want to do an Edinburgh show. You want it to be as robust as something that will work in the clubs. So I've been working the stuff up in the clubs for the last year and a half. And I honestly thought when I started talking about it, I would say to audiences, you're terrified about climate change, right? And they'd go, yeah, 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 let's talk about that. And a lot of them would go, no, no, never think about it. And so that's kind mm. of, that's helped to very, very, I don't want to throw the word radicalize around, but I sort of feel like I'm undergoing a sort of a soft radicalization where I'm going, oh, this is a really real thing. Like other social issues, definitely important, but this is going to make all of them worse. As the planet heats up, everything else we care about is going to get worse. And I just find comics aren't talking about it. And the more I talk about it, the more climate people, climate science people and sustainability people are coming up afterwards and going, this is brilliant. Thank you so much. We need this because we have the, the technology, but we don't have the political will. And to get the political will, we need stories and we need communicators. Oh, yeah. Now, that's interesting because, of course, what? Uh, yes, because, because it's not it's not seen as something that you can talk about no as one a, wants to talk as a about political it. figure because yeah. uh especially in britain at the moment because it's part of the woke agenda oh fucking caring <laughs> about whether the earth about humanity ends the the with your bloody woke yeah oh god you're worse than the trans people you with your caring about whether we all die within the next 30 years it's just bananas you can sort of like obviously i i'm consuming a lot of climate related <laughs> media and podcasts and you know lectures on youtube and stuff like that and you don't go and even tweets i'm following lots of climate people and with this stuff about all the records that are being smashed at the moment with the, you know temperature in the oceans maybe um underneath every single <laughs> one is just a barrage of comments of people who and i try to be empathic as possible right i try and be as kind as possible I think what's happening is people are understandably terrified and rather than kind of risk face planting into that fear and losing their minds, I think you've got to sort of pass through a membrane of going, this is scary, we're in serious trouble, holy shit, what can we do? But I think people kind of butt up against that and they kind of go, this is so frightening that it can't be real and that means these people are lying yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then it becomes a similar, it's a similar pathway between kind of you know, the Venn diagram of like anti-vax, anti-woke, anti-climate science, those things are very like, oh, hang on a minute. You're saying if I don't have to trust the scientists, then I can feel okay. Do you know what I mean? And I try, I try and be understanding about that. I'm not trying to convert anyone. If, if someone's decided they're a climate denier, I'm not going to waste any energy trying to convert them. I don't, I wonder if many people, are, I think you're exactly right, Stu. I don't think that many people are climate, are really, really climate deniers. I think the, the number of people who are like that is very small probably well that's the thing that we have to try we have to try and cling on to that i think i'm sure i've seen some data on this but a big problem for me as a as a communicator i like all comedians have adhd i've got diagnosed this year and adhd and as a result i'm trying to forgive myself for the fact i cannot remember a figure a source do you know what I mean? i'm not the sort of communicator that's going to go into an argument and go i'm going to beat you with logic and data what i'm trying to do is put stories around stuff that i've 
seen written down. Anyway, with with that kind that's of fun. maybe that's the problem. Maybe all the people whose job it is is to to cure all the things that you know build all the energy, the solar energy, wind power, everything that could stop fossil fuels clumping carbon emissions into the the atmosphere and destroying the planet maybe they've all got adhd <laughs> and every time they're 90% on the way to finding a way of producing energy from mud from they go Oh shit! I forgot. I've not put the washing out. I think. Well, okay. I I, I can't get on board with that premise, Mark, because the science <laughs> is important, and I believe in the science. I I do think Sunak and all the Tories have got ADHD if they reckon that like, oh yeah, I'm totally. We definitely we've got to do something. We've got to do something about all the carbon emissions. We've got to do net zero by 2030, and we're going to make these laws and put this legislation in place. And then they lose some, a handful of votes in Uxbridge and go, oh oh no, actually no no no, thinking about it. Um, it's not really it'll be fine. I mean, this is why it's so well, worrying. That, that, that I think that's the most genuinely terrifying part of it because that's willful. That's these people. They're probably. They're, I don't know. I don't know if they believe the science of it or not. But they choose to go. Well, we can't believe the science of it, mm. and Labour not much better. Mm. We can't believe the science of it in our view because. We're fighting uh, uh, an election on the basis of we're not the old woke liberal sort of people that are not saying certain words and so on. And part of that is we're not like we're people who are bloody we're the heroes. We're the old fashioned red wall heroes. If we see a just stop oil person, we give them a good fucking kick in the bollocks and just just stop me. Yeah, just stop fuck stopping me. Yeah. From able to get the fucking Lidl. Yeah. There's a campaign for you. And <laughs> that, they think that being on board with that brings them more votes, yeah. I yeah. guess. Now, yeah, I think, I think I you're don't right. think they're right in that, but I think one of the, even the, if they were. I think one of the biggest challenges we've got is the fact that Sunak is literally a billionaire and as such almost certainly has access to a bunker. I think I think anyone in power <laughs> should have to die. What's the phrase when they've got to make their um make their, their assets known to the to public. They've got to divest. I can't remember what it is. There's some, oh, you, right, right. the word escapes me. But I think you know, anyone applying for a position of political power should have to confess <laughs> as to whether or not they have access to a bunker. I think that would change things. Because if we know the PM has a bunker, he's he's okay to flip-flop on. Or a rocket. Or a rocket. What about a rocket? He's probably got a birth booked on Musk's rocket. Let's go and ruin Mars. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would, you know, it would take couple of million years to ruin a new planet well i don't know Do you think- i think <laughs> i don't know i think we i think with technology as it is mark i think we have the technology oh. we can ruin a planet i think within a thousand years <laughs> <laughs> and in fact if you mention that'd that that'd be quite a project they'll turn it, it into that'd a, be a great channel channel be, four yeah <laughs> it'll be musk versus bezos <laughs> with greg wallace hosting <laughs> who could ruin the planet within a thousand years come on hurry up <laughs> You've only got 19 minutes left and there's still a bit of Venus There's left. a completely functioning hydro <laughs> ecosystem here. Come on, fuck a load of sulfur dust in here. Yeah. We found life on this planet. Kill it. <laughs> I tell you what, I honestly, honestly could um, uh, talk about this all day. But, uh, so, where's the, sh- where's the sh- show on? Um, it's at the Monkey Barrel. It's at the Edinburgh Festival. So it's at the Monkey Barrel every day apart from the 16th. And it's on at 3.20 in the afternoon. So it's easy to fit in around all your sort of uh, invective, uh, insult comics and people doing uh, exciting uh, kind of uh, aggressive comedy. This isn't gentle. It's robust. 
but it's um, uh, it's yeah. I think it's going to be great. I, c- I cannot wait. I'm presumably, so even if there's a room that's it. a bit dark, then all the lights will be really on full. And if it's a bit cold, you'll have loads of like eaters and stuff. Yeah, on, I'm hoping so to people use will be my comfortable. Audience. I'm hoping to and- use applause. <laughs> applause, Mark, is a renewable resource. <laughs> so if, I can, if I can just get everyone clapping and laughing enough, we can keep the room ourselves. Uh, fantastic. So, Sue, thanks so much. And also, you have your own podcast that's now got about 20,000 episodes. Oh, yeah, 433, I think. It's been going nearly 12 years. The Comedian's Comedian. So people can find out about that sort of in-depth forensic interviews with brilliant comedians, including yourself, many years ago. It's a good cracker of an episode, that one. Thank you so much. Good luck at going to to, uh, Cornwall. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, obviously by bicycle. Goodbye. Ah. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This week, Britain's most patriotic man won a victory for the common working man when he got his Coots bank account back after it had been stopped because he was too patriotic. And so here, with another entry from his post-Brexit diaries, we're delighted to welcome Nigel Boulevard. This week, I was enjoying the July drizzle trickling coolly down the splendid trees in my nearby Kent Woods, and the thought occurred to me how grateful I was that we no longer have to endure the heat waves imposed on us all those years by the European Union. Because of a centralised European temperature forced on us by the weatherman of Brussels, we too would have been made to set fire to all our treats. Every time there was a fire or a flood in Europe, we had to have one here in Britain to fulfil our share of EU disaster quotas. One winter, because there was an avalanche in the Alps, Due to regulations agreed in Maastricht, the whole of Wiltshire had to be buried in snow as well. But no more. So all in all, it's been a good week, because I've also finally got to the bottom of why my bank account was outrageously closed down due to the politically correct socialist agenda of Coots Bank. So far, there have been apologies and resignations from NatWest Bank and the BBC for telling lies about this story and I insist there are many more resignations to follow. Because if there's one thing I can't stand, it's lies. That's why I've always been determined to tell the truth. Such as during the referendum campaign, when I said, if we stay in the EU, everyone from Turkey will come and live in Sussex, and every British dog will have to learn to bark in Polish or be put down. But as ever, in the end, the truth will out. Mine's a pint of sailor's tapeworm. Cheers! What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It's because of you, wondrous people, that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, please follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or to really be at the forefront, 
the elite indeed of people who know what the fuck is going on. For just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free, ad-free, in this modern corporate world version of the episode, with extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, for example, George Galloway shares his opinions on the new Barbie movie. Uh, Also, you'll get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to sit shivering as if they're in train spot in, in the bit where he's going cold turkey until Saturday morning. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. It has come to the time of the week when we can add to the amount of n- announcements in the world. Uh, it's been growing 30 35% a year announcement inflation on trains in shops. You can't go to the co-op now for a scotch egg without listening to seven or eight announcements about special offers on three-for-two custard cream things and trains. There are now so many announcements that they can't fit them in, so they have to actually double up on them. They have to give you two announcements at once, uh, and and so on. And when you go to the theatre, oh, when you're doing a show, and sometimes, because you sort of I think, right, there's going to be a show. This is a show, so... The lights are going to go down. The music's going to come on. I'm going to come on. And then quite often at the theatres, they go, oh, no, we do make an announcement at the start about how this is the longest concurrently running theatre in Berkshire. Uh, and, uh, 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 and no, please turn off your mobile phones. Please make sure if you've got any leopards that you've got a muzzle on them and so on. But... The main announcement is, of course, the uh, fire exit announcements. This is sort of, the, the, that's the standard, the, the old classic of announcements. And that's why loads of comics, the, there's an old joke that compares at comedy clubs do go, oh, I do have to tell you about the fire exits, but I wouldn't worry about it. What's the chances of there being two fires at the same place in the same week? That's the old joke. So, but of course, with global warming, the fire exit announcements are going to become more and more essential pretty much everywhere you go even on holiday when you arrive in a country they're going to have to go in the event of a fire which is very likely the exits will be up that road through the trees and onto those boats however i also have to add to all of these announcements that i've got some shows coming up every week i mean to look at where they are i suppose at some point when they actually start i'll have to really pay attention to where they are uh but they're they're coming up i think september the 15th is the start of another load of shows. there's about 25 put in in places like evesham and inverness and dunfermline and loughborough And uh, I don't know, there's obviously 18 others. I'm not going to go through all of them. But if you look at my website or just put my name into Google, and what will probably come up is uh, Mark Steele, the Geordie conspiracy theorist, who I think at one point shot somebody. That's please don't go to his show if he's on on at Evesham. (laughs) Oh, the fucking wouldn't make fault like that. The safety catch wasn't fucking on leak. Uh, in any case, we've never been to the moon. That won't be me. Now, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. And that is where 
I'm here to help. Mark Ridley on Twitter asks, is Elliot now an age where he is too old to become a member of the House of Lords? He's not quite, Mark, but I think he's he's too old to start the process because the 30-year-old who has just become a lady in the House of Lords uh, that was appointed by Boris Johnson, who was given the opportunity to appoint a load of people that were his mates and at one point he wanted to appoint his own dad to be in the fucking government. This is like something... If you read about this, if you were at school and you read about this in the ninth, in the ninth century, the barons... Well, not even the barons. They didn't even have the power, did they then? In the ninth century, the King of England could... Could just appoint any random crazy person who had sort of uh, who he thought bestowed upon him the power to shoot deer more accurately. He could appoint him to just become part of the government, and we'd all go, "What mad mad system was this, sir?" Oh well, it's now more crazy than that because the outgoing prime minister, who's outgoing because he was utterly fucking discredited for smashing to pieces all of the laws that he was responsible for setting up in the first place him was then appointed was was then given the opportunity to appoint a load of people that he wanted into the house of lords and one person that he's appointed is this woman who's 30 and uh nobody quite knows why and of course that means all sorts of theories have gone around some saying that she's his lover some saying that she's his daughter and no doubt some saying that uh, she's both and that uh, you know that there's a tape of him going. Well, you know, I mean, what is? Does it matter? I didn't know her that much, so it didn't really. Only uh, I, I don't pay maintenance for her, so it's not as if it's it, it, it's uh, against the uh, law. Uh, that's that's the theory. I don't know. I don't think that it matters that she's thirty. Mary Black was less than that when she became uh, a member of Parliament, and bless her for that. And uh, all sorts of people. Isaac Newton was younger than that when he wrote his Laws of Motion. I think Einstein was younger than that when he wrote Theories of Relativity. There have been people. San Just, the rather somewhat crazy member of the Committee of Public Safety in the French Revolution, was about 18, I think. Wasn't Mary Shelley 16, 17 when she wrote Frankenstein? I don't think we should be against it because she's young. Tara Louise Chambers wonderfully named Tara Louise Chambers on Patreon asks, what the fuck is going on with British gas? This is what I received after paying my bill. Tell us how you feel about making a payment. I wanted to share this with Mark, knowing how much he loves surveys. I agree. I agree, Tara Louise Chambers. Uh, what the fuck is going on? Tell us how you were. I was so happy to make a payment, British gas. I was so worried that you were going to furnish my life with endless gas without wanting any remuneration for it and uh, and that was upsetting me i lost sleep i thought about your shareholders going maybe three whole hours without a 50 million pounds dividend and i was i was actually just giving money out to random strangers in the high street in the hope that one of them was on the board of british gas thank god you've asked me to make a payment and i feel wonderful and relaxed and now i can meditate as normal and apart from that, you can't do anything with that. I am pretty sure that you will not be able to have a shit soon without having to complete a bloody survey. There'll be a thing or just flash up on the system that says, can you tell us what you thought about? We noticed you recently had a shit. Can you tell us, have you got any feedback for us? Can you fill in this simple 
questionnaire of 35 questions. Paul Granger of Patreon asks, what the fuck is going on with Rishi Sunak desperately trying to associate the Labour Party with criminal gangs? Yeah, that's what he said, isn't it? You are the party. The Labour Party is the party of criminal gangs. (laughs) Uh, Paul then makes the joke, should the criminal gangs sue for libel? Very good. But the... uh, but I know that it's that's when you're really in trouble, aren't you? With twenty percent behind in the polls, and we're losing in places where there's never ever been the the, the the anyone other than a conservative MP, and we've lost that one. What if we just say, you know, they're all in criminal gangs? You know, Keir Starmer. You know what? He do, He always turns up to Parliament. To, to get question time in Parliament, carrying a blade every time you he does all of them. Angela Rayner, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's all very much bloody. Oh, would the right honourable member this, that, and the other? And as as soon as she's out of that room, she's she's straight up to passers by, just passers by, straight outside tourists walking past. And she's straight up, she's got her by the throat, straight up against uh, the statue of Winston Churchill, is the one there. Oi, give me your fucking wallet now, or you'll never see your family again, you fucking understand. That's Angela Rayner. Yeah, the Labour Party, criminal <laughs> criminal gangs. Yeah. Do you know what else they are? They, they, they deal in crystal meth, all of them. Rachel Reeves. She just lays in bed. She doesn't do any work for her constituents. She just lays in bed all day on her mobile, just organising crack cocaine deals. <sighs> and the terrible thing is, uh, it, maybe it'll work. Who knows? There will be some people at the election going, oh, I was going to vote Labour, but apparently Rachel Reeves deals in crack cocaine. <laughs> Michael Thompson on Twitter says... King Charles getting a 45% pay rise and not so much as a question mark, so befuddled is Michael Thompson. But look, we live in a world where the gender pay gap is very well known and it would be unfair for the royal family to to not take advantage of that as well. And the country's been getting a very, very good deal over, uh, you know, did do over a period of um, 70 years. Uh, having a queen rather than a king because it meant that obviously she was paid less than the going rate. So now we've got a king and he has to get 45% more to comply with that gender pay gap. I think that's perfectly reasonable, Michael, and I I don't think you should uh, question that ever again. can't work out what the fuck is going on unless you enlist the help and experience of the younger generation. Not the youngest generation, they're too young, but the ones that are about coming up to 27, such as Elliot Steele, who I bred for expressly this purpose 27 years ago, nearly. Hello, Elliot. How are you? Hello, Mark. I'm well. You're in a stroppy fucking mood today, I've got to say that. <laughs> How am I in a stroppy fucking mood? You asked me something, and then I and I said, you asked if I wanted a cup of tea, and I said, oh, there's some coffee out there I've oh, made if you want it. I a fucking answer. Just and then you yes went, or no. I went, do you want a cup of tea? And you went, there's coffee out there. And I was like, all right, well, I'll no, have that's a cup a, of tea. That's, that's a generous thing to say. Imagine if I'd said, 
a yes or no and no, not mention I the coffee. I ask someone a question and I'm like, I'm going, right, I'm making a cup of tea. Do you want a cup of tea? And if someone doesn't go yes or no and starts talking about something else, it's like, why am I now? Well, in even a if it's offering you something. So if someone says, you, why if someone says, you what do you something? think the weather's going to be like today? And they go, oh, I'll tell you what, I've bought you a car. It's at, oh, just answer the fucking question. That's <laughs> no, but you, but you hadn't bought me a car. No, but I you had made me, you a you cup were of coffee. Me some the- very cold, not well made coffee. <laughs> The principle is the same. No, it isn't because it's terrible coffee. And then so I'm making a cup of tea, and it's, I'm like, do, I'm, I'm making a cup of tea. If I do, you want a cup of tea? And then it wasn't yes or no. And then it was telling me about something that was now stopping me making the cup of tea. That it I wasn't wanted. telling you about something; it was offering you something. It's different. It if I just, was, was, if you'd said, "Do you want a cup of tea?" and I'd said, "The capital of Ecuador is Quito," you would have every right to complain. But that isn't what happened, is it? No, and then you started telling me some story about an NPC car park. That that, that, that the story is this: I was in an NPC car park. No one else was there. In <laughs> uh, so I had to. I, no, let me finish because I'm doing the story in ten seconds. And then I called the people, and uh, there was no one around. But they managed to open the barrier. It took five minutes <laughs> for that story to be told because you had to let me know every detail of what color the fucking brickwork was. It like I, it was just just tell the story. What there, there, there needs to be a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you can do that in ten seconds. I'm trying to give you a little bit of a flavour of the no, feeling. What it, it, you you can't just tell a story like that. No, but it's not the a Godfather. Story, being... The Godfather made by Elliot Steele. <laughs> the end. No, what, how dare you compare <laughs> your story to being in a car park? to one of the most important works of film of all time. I was about to say, you're like the Apocalypse Now director's cut, but the sto- but instead of it being that you're going on, on some heart of darkness journey to kill a general who's gone mental, it's the story is, I went up the calf. They did not have this sandwich, so I got a different sandwich. And it takes four and a half hours. Just, just let- I'm also very ill. Is that my fault as well? No, no, no. That would be that would be the that, that's that's that I I I blame you know. Right? Well, I don't know. I don't think I think that's blameless. I think you just got you just got sometimes in life be ill. The story is that I couldn't get out of the car park and there was oh, no one there. I swear to God, if you tell the fucking story, it's so bad. It's not a good story. <laughs> I wasn't telling it you as a fucking good. I wasn't thinking. Oh. I'm going to tell this to Elliot, and if it goes well, I'm going to pitch it to Lionsgate and see if they can fucking cast Al Pacino in it. I, I was, I was telling it because I thought you might be interested. That last night for 20 minutes, I was in the Chinatown Shaftesbury Avenue car park, unable to get out, trapped. I might have still been in there. Might have been trapped forever, like John McCarthy. Well, no, you wouldn't. You could, you could leave by foot. I couldn't leave by foot. I couldn't. It was completely shut. If I'd have left, if I could have left by foot, I could have left by foot and then gone and get help. But I couldn't. But now, because you weren't listening to the story properly, you didn't get that detail, did you? <laughs> we well, didn't mention that detail. The, the, well, no, that's you. right. You're right. The story should have been longer. That's the problem. <laughs> it was too short. I cut out some of the important details. No, but the. The, the story was you went to the 21 Soho party. Of which I didn't I go know, to the party. 
right so that part of it like so then you went and met sean walsh there's loads of details i went to meet sean walsh and then uh i was in the car park couldn't get out got out you didn't tell end, me obviously. how sean was no you didn't I... tell me what he was up to just i met sean walsh sean could still be in the car park no he did he wasn't in the car park okay. i could yeah he's fine as far as i know he might be stuck in <laughs> the underground <laughs> if there's anyone I think would add the most stress to a situation if you were stuck in a car park I think Sean Walsh is in the top three <laughs> I I could not imagine anyone who I think I would least like to be stuck in a car park with in terms of just going, we've got to remain calm and just the, the, I've seen that man have breakdowns in a because you know at a petrol station where they hand they have to hand you the things at night because oh, they've, yeah. uh, they've handed the wrong bag of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going up to Edinburgh very soon. By the time people listen to this, <clears throat> you might well be on your way. I leave on Friday. Right. Well, people will be listening to this after Friday. Well, so, I'm, on Friday, I've got to leave to go stay over in Almuth, is it? Where the fuck am I staying? Let me see. Al- Anik? I don't know. Almuth. All right. I'm staying in Almuth. That diff- a- that's different from Anik, then. Yes, That's yes, why it's got I- a different name. No, I know. Well, that, well I never said Anik, did I? I said Almuth. I said Almuth to begin with, and then you added Anik, and then I went, no, Almuth, <laughs> and then now I'm getting in trouble for saying Anik. <laughs> I, ne- I, never brought, I never brought it into the conversation. <laughs> Is it near Anik? <clears throat> oh, no. It must be. Well, it might be. Are you just working on the basis that that also begins with an A? No, I'm working on the basis that I've got a funny story about Anik. Oh, I don't well, I don't care. I don't, want, I don't need to hear the story about Anik. There's no, this is what you've done. You've just crowbarred something into the conversation because you've seen me talking and you've gone, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to tell my story now. <laughs> What's happening there? You've gone, that's enough of that. I've got a story about a thing. That's nothing to do with anything anyone was talking about. <laughs> they feel Harry Potter there. Do they? Mm. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, there's um, a big castle thing there. Oh, well, um, uh, yeah, it's, it seems like quite a bit. Of, it's Northumberland, isn't it? It seems like quite a nice, nice bit of the world. So I'm, uh, I'm up there. Uh, I've got a mate's wedding, which is sort of on the way to Edinburgh. And then I've got to go stay in Glasgow for a few days with uh, the wonderful Kyle Humphreys. And then I'm in Edinburgh from Tuesday. All right. And then we're, and so where are you on? I know we've asked you this before, but there might be I'm on at Delhi Belly at Underbelly on County, 9.55 every night, apart from the 14th. You've had a couple of uh, really good reviews already. Yeah. yeah. Wanna, I know, well, you've... You're, you're ded- I admire your dedication to keeping stories short, but that's, uh, no. that's the, the details needed there that really even the, even the most the greatest fan of brevity would say that that's probably left out one or two important details. I, I, was, I was in a Rolling Stone put me in like one of the top comedians to see at the fringe and wrote up a really nice thing about me. Brilliant. All right, then. So you're going to go and, and you'll be up there. Uh, uh, the wed- don't get it the wrong way round. Do the show at the wedding, and then go to the. Uh... Well, I'm not doing any speeches at the wedding. I I went to a wedding on Friday in the south of France. Yeah, 
Yeah, no. yeah. There was uh, uh, my favourite bit of it was that part of the ceremony was that the bride and groom, I, uh, the person I know, because she's a woman who sort of more than anyone's taught me to speak French, really, and she's mm. uh, an opera singer in mm. Holland, lovely Sophie, and she's got married, this American bloke, and mm. it was in the south of France, and uh, a very French ceremony in which part of it was that the bride and groom had to feed each other a part of a baguette. Oh, wow. Isn't that brilliantly French? Yeah, they'll probably feed each other a steak bake this weekend. They? Yeah, exactly. Geordie. <laughs> you will know the bride and groom must now punch each other in the eye. Ah, uh, and then they'll go out and start firing AK 47s <laughs> in the air to one of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Short, brief, that's the main thing. Go and see Elliot Steele's show. He's going to be telling loads and loads of brilliant stories at it, and the whole thing lasts four minutes and 12 seconds. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it, and if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then uh, write it in three or four different languages that take you years to learn. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free, ad-free extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Stuart Goldsmith and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. 